Hello, hello, hello. Welcome back, everybody, to Pretend World's Real People. As always, I'm Tyler, but as not always, we have new music for this episode. Why? Well, thinking, you know, we're closing in on 100 episodes, I want to try something different. And I've always thought of this podcast as arts workers sitting down for a digital cup of coffee to sort of share their stories and share their experiences. So why not use this sort of jazzy cool intro to start the podcast off right right if you don't like it let me know <laughs> you know what our email is pwrp.pod at gmail.com and i will look into alternatives but for right now i'm digging it i don't know about you but i'm, I'm feeling pretty good about it anyway let's get to the real reason you're here and it's not for me to talk about scouring copyright free music to see what might work for a couple hours ah <sighs> i'm a little tired anyway we're back in the writer's room, everybody. I know, I know you're waiting for it. I know you're excited. I'm super excited to share this episode, as I always am. But first, and a quick disclaimer, there will be spoilers for Amazon Prime's Reacher. If you haven't seen it, go check it out. Oh my god, this show, it, it, it's, it's an incredibly gritty action drama that I believe is around eight or so episodes. It's relatively short, really easy to just kind of fly through. I think I, I coasted through the whole season within a weekend while I was, you know, quote unquote, focusing on writing. I just, I couldn't help myself. It was that good. But I want you to go watch that show. If you get a chance, because there are going to be some spoilers in this episode, go watch that show because I am sitting down with one of the staff writers, Kate Duffy, who is also incredibly cool. <laughs> we had so much fun talking in this episode, talking about writing, talking about her journey to L.A. without really knowing anybody in the industry and working her way up from production assistant to writer's assistant to now a full-fledged staff writer working on a show that was just now renewed for a second season. I This is the coolest thing ever. I, I will say it in every episode. I love this podcast. I love talking to these people getting to know their stories. And she has a fantastic story, including what she was doing during COVID when, you know, you're not, none of us are really working. So what are you going to do? She had some creative things to uh, keep her busy. So let's get into it. Let's sit in the writer's room. Let's open up that Walmart package donuts <laughs> that nobody wants to eat, but we're going to eat anyway, because we got a lot of writing to do. Let's do all that, get a cup of coffee, and let's sit down with Kate Duffy. Miss Duffy. Yes, hello. Foremost, welcome to the show. And how are you today? I'm doing great. How are you doing, Tyler? I'm doing well. I stayed away from coffee today. We were just talking about coffee. Uh, yes. I had a, a nice big cup of green tea, and that is like I'm shaking from it. And I don't know why. <laughs> it's it's really really bad. Um, but yeah, I'm doing well. You've had uh, quite an amazing start to 2022. But before we get into that. Would you mind telling listeners who you are and what you do? Uh, hello, I am Kate Duffy. I am a writer uh, specifically for TV in, uh, and I live in Los Angeles. And yeah, that's the, that's the short of it. <laughs> that's such a writer's way. of. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's more, <laughs> I mean, I could just say I sit at a computer all day hunched over on final draft, but that's less exciting. So <laughs> To, to those who are the, you know, the uninitiated to final draft and the black hole that it might create. Oh, yes. uh, 
<laughs> so uh, where do I even start with this episode? Because it's uh, it, it's just really cool to sit down with somebody who uh, has had a really fun journey from the look of it, you know, from your uh, start as a PA on American Gladiators all the way now to to Reacher. So what uh, what got you interested in the industry? How did this start? You know, what what was the moment of inception where you said, ah, I want to be a part of this? I, you know, it's it was a combination of, I've always liked writing. I, I moved around a lot as a kid. So I was often the new kid. And so whenever I would be adjusting, I, you know, had a lot of free time because I hadn't met friends yet. So I would kind of go off and start writing for fun. And it just is something I've been doing since I was, I don't know, maybe nine or 10 years old. And I've always kind of just kept, but I mean, the stuff I was writing was absolutely ridiculous, of course. Um, So I just, just as something was a hobby for years and years, I had a great time doing it, but I never thought of it as a career until I went to college. I started taking film classes and then a part of the film classes there was screenwriting classes and I just had a great time doing it. And by the time I had to decide what my major was, I was like, well, you know, I really liked uh, a bunch of other topics. Uh, Like I minored in psychology and and art history, but then I kind of looked at the realistic, basically if those would be a realistic career path. And I was like, "Eh, I don't know. And like psychology, I was like, oh, I have to know chemistry. No, thank you. So, <laughs> so I just like, yeah, I'll just stick to film. And my favorite part of it was writing. So that's kind of how it happened. And then I just kind of kept my fingers crossed when I graduated and moved to LA completely blind. So I just kind of like closed my eyes and dived in. Oh, so, I mean, yeah, you, you took the, the big leap after graduation. How, when you got to LA, how long did it take you to find, you know, some kind of a job within the industry? Did you have to wait tables for a bit or was it, you know, one of those like, oh, hey, I know this person sort of scenarios? Uh, no, I, the only people I knew out here is uh, I have an aunt who lived at the time down in the beach cities, which is still like an hour, an hour and a half from LA. Oh, no way. But so I had no industry connections. I knew no other souls. And I uh, just sort of was online applying for jobs. And I had this giant like 2007 laptop that weighed about 15 pounds. And I would just like sit at my aunt's futon where I slept for six months. And I was just constantly applying for jobs. And after about a month, I landed two internships back to back. So I was working 60 plus hours a week, unpaid internships. And I was commuting like two hours to work. So I'd be up at like 4.30 in the morning. And um, and so I don't know how I did it, frankly. I just was like, don't think about it, just do it. And then um, I did that for six months unpaid. And fortunately, like my aunt was super generous and she was like, all right, you know, hundred bucks a month rent to stay here with me. And I'm like, all right, I can swing that. So I had worked all through college. So I had enough saved up but just barely. (laughs) And then I didn't get my first paid job until like, I want to say January or February of 2008. And that was the uh, American gladiator job. So, or no, was it? No, it wasn't. I was on a pilot. I completely, this was so long ago. What? (laughs) It was like a friend of a friend of a friend through college was like, Oh, I work in LA. We need PAs for a pilot. And so that was my first ever paid gig. And I thought I had made it at that point. I was like, I'm a star. My name will be in credits. They weren't set. And the pilot never even made it to air. But, um, and then through that job, I got American Gladiators. So 
Yeah. Do you remember <laughs> the name of the pilot? Uh, the name of it changed like 15 times. Of course. <laughs> it was wild. It was a wild experience. So I, yeah, I don't know if anyone's been a PA out here, but it was like the most PAE PA job. Like I was doing everything from like cleaning up dog shits that were like in the hallway to like, just, I was suddenly put on as like being craft service, doing, managing all the food runs. I'd have to get like office, like lunch orders for 35 people and everyone wanted something different. And so we didn't do, it was just like, so lunch itself would take three or four hours. Like it was a nightmare. I was working like 16 hour days, uh, all for minimum wage. So it was a good time. <laughs> but at the end of the day, you know, you're getting paid for it. Thankfully. I mean, <laughs> I was like, I would like look up a, and I'd get a paycheck for like $300. So I was like, my God, I'm rich. <laughs> Um, yeah. So, so, but like, once you start at that level, everything that comes after that is just gravy. Yeah. Like, you, you know, you can handle that, then everything else is fine. So did you find, cause it's different starting out, let's say right after college compared to somebody who, let's say you're, you know, you're, you're 35, you're retired from a certain job and you want to go be a PA. That's going to be a hard transition just with all the hours brought into it and everything. So it just seems like that adrenaline fueled you through the, you know, like the six months for an internship into PA work. What, uh, what, what kept you just consistently moving into, you know, more PA jobs? Was it just like networking or did you have a, a grand scheme and plan or grand plan itself? Uh, no, I just kept, well, part of it was, is I didn't really have a fallback plan. So, you know, like I said before, like with the moving around, my parents, continued to move throughout my whole life and they still are continuing to move. So I have no hometown. So it wasn't like I had a place to go back to. And, and, you know, so I was basically like, all right, I just got to do this. I don't really have a choice. And um, yeah. And it will, and also the timing was bad because this was when the writer's strike was happening. So all scripted shows went off. So I wanted to do scripted things, but then suddenly that was pulled out from under me. So then I got stuck in reality TV and I did reality TV for like a year. And that was an adventure in itself. Um, but I just was like, yeah, I just kept networking. I kept just applying online to things. I just was nonstop. I, like you said, the adrenaline of youth, like <laughs> that's the only reason I think like I couldn't have done this in my thirties. Um, and you just, you don't know any better when you've never had jobs really. Um, yeah. outside of retail so like that's just your normal so yeah so I just yeah it was mostly contacts it is people say it's about who you know and it really is about who you know so yeah that's that's just how I kept going as I'd make friends and hey do you know of anything opening up and that's how you do it and were you writing this whole time and I know your schedule is probably jam-packed would you have time before you went to bed to write one page write an idea for something I did actually I I, well, the thing I was working on when I first moved here was a novel and it's terrible, but I was, <laughs> I wrote it and it was, it's like 400 pages of gobbledygook and I'm taking it to the grave with me, but, um, oh, that's what on. I was, no, but it was a great learning experience. <laughs> it was a great learning experience. And, um, and, and then I started, I think when I was about maybe a year into living out here, I started working on a spec scripts for the office. Um, and so, yeah, so that was a lot of fun. And then I did one for It's Always Sunny after that. And I just was doing a bunch of spec scripts because 
I, I couldn't think of my own ideas, <laughs> but it, they were like, you know, they were fun and great learning experiences. And I actually got to like the semifinals of uh, a Dis- the Disney fellowship with the, it's always sunny spec. No way. Yeah. But nothing came of it obviously. Cause you know, we would have been having this conversation 10 years earlier. if it had. <laughs> So, um, so yeah, no, I just, I don't even know, honestly, that whole era of my life is just like, a, is it's like a fugue state. I just, yeah. I just plowed through it. Um, yeah. So I just, I kept going and going until I got, um, you know, a PA job in uh, scripted television, which was on the show Bones. So that was my first step in the right direction. And then through that, did you find, uh, you know, obviously through networking, getting to know people and working on the set, did you have, uh, you know, little moments where you could say, hey, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm a writer as well, or, you know, how, how do you find, a direct connection between crew work and then eventually going into staff writing. It's a challenge. It's yeah. a, you got to find the right balance. It's because there are those people that will be very like day one, like, hi, I'm a writer. Let me pitch ideas to you. And there's like, oh, okay. And th- that is just like a little too much because, you know, they probably hear that all the time. So it's like, but you also don't want to do what I did which was be scared to say anything and just sort of like be quiet because you don't want to ruffle any feathers. So you've, you've got to like vocalize, Hey, I really want to do this, but wait till you know them and wait till it's the right time. It's when you barge in, knock on the door early in the morning and but you know, people still haven't put their bags down and they say, Hey, I want to be a writer. And I've literally seen that before. Um, so yeah, I would say just, you know, vocalize, but to the point of just, like putting it out there without being obnoxious so but but yeah I had I had like mentioned it I had become friends and I'm still friends with a lot of the Bones crew and so just through casual conversations it got out that I wanted to be a writer and it just by the end of the season I was there it kind of trickled out hey Kayla wants to be a writer and so someone put me in touch with writer's assistant jobs and yeah so uh it it ended up working (laughs) And was that first gig outside of that uh, as a writer's assistant for uh, Breakout Kings? Uh, yeah. So that's how I uh-huh. met my, you know, the, the the boss I have now, the boss that the reason we're talking, um, Nick Santora, he, that was, he was a showrunner for Breakout Kings. And I interviewed him, um, gosh, I, to be his assistant, I think. Oh, no. And then I got a call like a day or two later, like, hey, uh, just so you know, we filled the position, but do you have an interest in being a writer's assistant? Which to me, I was like, that's a better deal. So I was like, <laughs> yes, please. So yeah, that's, I started working for Nick and that was, oh my God, like over 10 years ago now. Wow. So, so yeah, that's how, and he and I are now working together again. So it's, it's uh, wonderful. So yeah, these contacts, man, they really matter. <laughs> it's, it's funny looking back on how, certain professional relationships develop and you know kind of with the ability of hindsight comparing then to now you know you went from interviewing for an assistant position to now full-on staff writer and you know moving on to a show that was renewed for season two which we will get into later with full spoilers and everything that you guys are talking about because we've not talked about that before Uh, (laughs) but coming from somebody who like like I've lived in Colorado for most of my life of uh gone to a point where I'm writing scripts left and right I have spec scripts I'm developing a, a show 
that we can hopefully send to Sundance Episodic Lab and get off the ground. If you are a writer outside of LA or New York or Vancouver, do you have to be in those big hubs to become a writer? Based on your experience and what you've heard, what what's your opinion on that? Because that's always interesting to hear. You know, had you asked me that question a few years ago, I would have said you absolutely have to be in Los Angeles or New York, depending on the genre you want to write. Because there are some comedy rooms and a few drama rooms in New York. Uh, a couple in Atlanta, I think, too. But uh, it's almost all of it's in LA. And But now with, you know, this kind of COVID, dare I say post-COVID? No, I think it's too soon to say that. But <laughs> like the world we're in, uh, it's... I mean, we like, you know, I've worked with writers who are remote from the East Coast now, and that was unheard of just, you know, before the pandemic. Um, so now I think your options are really quite flexible, but, um, you know, it used to be, and, and I don't know if that's, it's going to stay that way. I don't know if, you know, a year or two from now, it's going to go back to that. Yeah. But yeah, it's, it is hard to break in if you're not in one of those hubs, but not impossible. I think what you're doing, like Skydance or geez, Skydance, <laughs> that's our production company. Sundance. Just a little <laughs> name drop, you know. <laughs> Not on purpose, I swear. Um, Sundance uh, and like like those kind of like film festivals contests. That's really like a really awesome way to break in if you're if you are in Colorado or or wherever else you might be um, around the world. That's good to know. And yeah, I think you're doing the right thing. I mean, I've never submitted to any of those things, but yeah. I mean, I certainly know of people who have and have done wonderfully doing like from wherever they, they currently live. It's just, it's always up in the air depending on the climate and, you know, where, where the world is at that point. Right. So yes. I have friends who just moved to LA a year ago and they have experienced a five-year journey within five months. Wow. Amazing. It just kind of, it, it's showing a lot of us that things are changing in the right direction. Uh, mm -hmm. Also, you know, networking and that kind of thing. But uh, yeah, it's fun talking to other writers about this to see, like, well, what's your opinion about it? Because we had Katie McElhenney from It's Always Sunny yes. on previously. Listen to that episode. Did she's you? amazing. <laughs> she's the coolest. And yes. uh, we're social media friends. Uh, no problem. Um, I, I, I listening to that. I was like, oh my, well, I want to be you and uh, Stephanie's friend, but also Katie. I was like, oh my God, I want her to be my best friend. <laughs> she's, she's amazing. And I'm going to get her back. Honestly, I'm thinking about putting together a writer's round table at some point later in the year to right. see if I could bring back all these really talented people to, you know, have a chat. But, uh, you know, she, she was talking about, uh, you know, like spec scripts and, you know, creating your own content. What is your opinion on either writing a, a spec script now to introduce to possible, you know, uh, employers or creating your own content when you're submitting for, you know, writer's assistant jobs or staff writing jobs? Do you have a a perspective on that shift are spec scripts still gone or are they coming back you know here's the thing there's no rules about any of this so <laughs> if you ask 10 different people you'll get 10 different answers yeah. uh, i have heard that originals are preferred nowadays really? uh, okay. i i i think but i also know people who've gotten jobs off of specs within the last couple of years it honestly depends on the personality of the person you're giving it to. Uh, sometimes, sometimes it's like, if it's a show that they like, then um, 
you know, they know the characters and the tone and you can then demonstrate, I was able to capture that tone really well. I had a job a few years ago that they staffed uh, people only on specs of the show that they were looking for to, to staff on. Really? Okay. Yeah. Which I don't, that, I don't know. That's a little dicey to me, but so it's, it's different. Um, right. Just like whatever you're really passionate about. And like, this is my, this is what I want to do. I don't think writing a spec is going to hurt you, especially like there's so many fellowships that they will only take specs. Um, at least for the initial first round. Um, I just, just write what you want to write, man. It's constantly changing. Three years from now, the answer will be different. Yeah. <laughs> they actually only spec scripts or only originals. So, you know, err on the side of caution. I would say have at least a couple of each in your deck. Uh, I know that's a little bit of a lot to ask, but that's what I have and that's what I did. But yeah, at least have at least one or two originals also. Okay. That's just my advice, but um, I'm one low lowly person so <laughs> this, this is not uh don't take this as uh as gospel <laughs> well i mean going back to the specs that you wrote at some point uh because i feel like we're we're already buddies i'm gonna jump the gun right there i'm i'll send you my spec for it's always sunny and i want to read your spec for it's always sunny too to see like where those connections lie within the source material based on a spec you know, it's just, it's always interesting to see what each writer takes from that already established show and then puts into their own writing. That's always fun. Um, unless you wrote your book, your spec on, uh, on fire, which a lot of people do. I mean, I've, I've seen it because nobody wants to read their own stuff anymore. No, it's, it's, it is bad. It's weird. Like you write something and then sometimes you go back and you look at it and you go, oh my God, like, how do I even have friends? Like, like I'm so untalented. I'm, and but then other, there's been a couple I oh god you know I don't know what? there's been a, I'm not going to specify which ones but I've had one or two specs that I've gone back and read like from like years and years ago and I oh, thought no. hey this is actually pretty fun so you never know um yeah so but no I'd love to read your spec I think that'd be fun it's it's just fun reading other writers writing and you know it's like they're giving their own blood to you essentially it's like here's my yeah. spec but here's a bag of my blood you know just do what you want with it uh i do want to move into you you know moving to the writer's assistant role and eventually you know writing within the room but for those of you or for those of our listeners who aren't familiar with the industry itself what does a writer's assistant do i think they know what a staff writer does but not a whole lot of people have noticed you know that there's a writer's assistant in there that does the crux of a lot of like note taking so oh God, yeah what, what is that like <laughs> Writer's assistants are the backbone of the room. Like they really are. And they do so much work and it, yeah. So basically usually what a writer's assistant will do, and it does vary from show to show. Um, they'll be in the writer's room, basically acting as a stenographer, taking notes as all the, everyone's talking and you've got, you know, somewhere between like six to 12, 13 people in there, sometimes talking over each other and you're expected to just like jot down everything that's being said. So your brain goes to this weird place. I did, oh gosh, I did writers. I was a writer's assistant for officially for five years, wow. which is a bit of a long time, but um, you know, that's just the nature of the work. And you're, you're just transcribing everything, transcribing, but then they'll also shout out like, oh, can you research this? 
And so they, so, but you're also still transcribing. And then two minutes later, they're like, hey, did you do that research yet? And you're just like, oh no, I'm not, you get a chance. But in your head, you're screaming. <laughs> um, it's, I mean, and that's like, it's not always, always high stress. It's, it's not constantly that all day. Like you definitely get lulls, but it's a lot of work and everyone expects you to be sort of like the walking Bible for the show. So like, Hey, like what happened season three or like, Hey, what, remember the thing we said two and a half weeks ago, you know, do you remember? So you really have to just be on your A game. It's a hard job. Yeah. So they, they basically, they keep everything in line. And so often an idea that's thrown away a month later, they'll be like, you know what? That actually wasn't a bad idea. Go remember that idea. And none of the writers do. So it's on the writer's assistant to make sure all those, you know, nothing gets fallen through the cracks. So yeah, it's, so it's basically yeah, typing, working in the room, research, and occasionally, like if you're at your desk, you have to answer phones sometimes, sometimes, but not often you have to get lunches, coffees, things like that. So it's like a, you have to kind of be a jack of all trades. And sometimes you pitch in the room too, if you're in a good room. So it's a, it's a really tough, but very rewarding and educational job. It sounds like it because it just sounds like you're you're a PA, but you're you're in the chair most of the time. Like you're 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 not you're not making the coffee in the morning anymore, yeah. but you're still like you might have to go get the coffee, but you can get one for yourself too. So it's like <laughs> but you learn about the room dynamics. It's really an invaluable experience. It's it's very, very educational. How has that changed? now due to COVID when sometimes not everybody's in the room. I mean, it's, I assume it's probably similar in tone as far as what the, uh, what the assistant has to do, but have you noticed a, a shift? Like, are they just recording the meetings and then just like logging them away or oh, have you noticed wow. something pretty similar? It's very, I mean, they're in the room, the Zoom room there and they've got their camera and they're typing away, mm. you know, on mute uh, and then it's pretty similar. The only thing that is different is, you know, for them, thankfully is, you know, you're not having to run errands anymore. So (laughs) that, so in that way, it's, it's better than it was, but the zoom rooms are really hard to record, to, to type from because, you know, microphones cut out, people talk over each other and it's impossible to hear. So, I mean, it's, it's, I'd say 80% still the same job it was. But you can also do it now remotely. So if you're trying to get into the business, but you live in, you know, Minnesota or wherever, you can do that now. You can you can be in a room in Los Angeles from wherever you are. So take that, you know, use that to your advantage. That That's a fantastic idea. Yeah. <laughs> like, hey, guys, I'm an hour ahead of you. I will be up and ready before you know it. <laughs> that's that's fantastic. I, I mean, you've shifted to, you know, the, the staff writing portion of it. and you know, writing for Reacher that came out, you know, this last, was it February 4th? Uh, amazing yeah, show, by the way. Uh, absolutely <laughs> loved it. I I do want to ask, given your experience in the writer's room pre-COVID and then, you know, doing it over Zoom, do you have a, a preference now as far as, would you rather be in the room with everybody or do you like to sort of be in your own in your own home, uh, where you can sort of almost relax a little bit and also still come up with great ideas. What, what's your, your preference based on how things have shifted? You know, there's, there's a lot of positives and negatives, uh, to both situations. 
I mean, I cannot complain about the commute from the Zoom room. It's, it, I still find myself kind of rolling out of bed like 20 minutes before showtime. And um, so I love that aspect of it. And I'm eating healthier because we're not getting lunches brought in every day from restaurants. <laughs> so I'm like, oh, I'm going to just like whip up some leftovers for like, that's, it's so much easier. Um, but there is like this, the, the dynamic of being live with everyone in person is something that is lost on Zoom. And you have more sidebars in real life. You can't, you can't do that on Zoom. And people are often cutting each other off because there might be a delay. You don't know if they're done talking. So it is a little more awkward mm-hmm. without that sort of direct, like, like social, like cues of, you know, who's talking and when. Um, so, but I mean, it's, it's still great. There's still, I don't mind being Zoom. I'm a little bit of a homebody. So I just, I don't mind being at home. I mean, I've been working from home since January, 2019. So like, this is oh just God. par for the course for me <laughs> at this point. Um, but no, I do miss the room dynamics and, you know, and I do miss sometimes getting those lunches. <laughs> like, <Yeah. laughs> there's nothing quite like, you're like, Ooh, I'm going to have like some gourmet salad for lunch versus like me, like throwing a piece of bread into a bowl of Campbell's soup, you know? um, Yeah. It's, it's a, yeah, it's good, good and bad. Like I, I just focus on the good. So, you know, so I like, I like the commute and sleeping in and all that stuff is great. But (laughs) I can only imagine, (laughs) you know, that's, I feel like that's why a lot of people now are saying, yeah, I'd rather work remote. I don't want to drive in rush hour in the early morning. I haven't had breakfast yet just to get to my job, be there for 12 hours. So Given that you're at home, we touched on this a little bit. What uh, what's kept you sane working from home and being in one spot for the last three years or so? Uh, you know, just my natural introvertedness, perhaps. <laughs> I don't know. Um, no, like I still like I I go for walks and I see friends and you know run errands, you know, with like the big old masks on and everything um but I really just I don't mind being by myself and I have enough of a social connection with people that you know I do like zoom game rooms with people and I do a weekly zoom call with my family and honestly like I mean my favorite hobbies are writing and playing music and drawing and reading all things that are solo to begin with so I haven't been as affected by this thank thank god knock on wood um (laughs) you know compared to the the super extroverted people i know who i feel awful for um but no honestly like i'm doing fine and i don't know if there's something wrong with that (laughs) the fact that i'm fine with it um i mean it's awful everything what's happening but just 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 purely from my point of view like i'm like yeah i like i like being at home and i like you know curling up with a book and um you know and I get out enough with people that it's not so terrible. Um, it's the, tra- the, tra- the traveling, the lack of travel is the thing that really bothers me. But um, yeah, I'm, I'm all right. <laughs> I don't know, how are you? <laughs> uh, I, doing fi- I mean, I, I, uh, I don't work full time in the industry. So I, you know, I, I tend bar and I do personal training, anything I can do to, to make a buck. But honestly, the best part of my days off are, you know, taking, taking the pupper out for a walk or, sitting down and just 
bleeding over a page as far as oh what is episode five going to be for the show you know it's it's a it's a lot of fun but i do you mentioned something a second ago you said that you play music i mean yeah i have like i mean i'm i am firmly intermediate at music uh but i have a guitar and i have um a keyboard so like when i'm like just bored i'll just like try to learn a new song um i usually i'm I'm usually like doing at least 20 minutes of piano a day, but I started, I had completely like neglected it, but it's because of the pandemic. I pick all this stuff up again. Cause like, what else are you going to do? It's like, you're not going to go to a rager. So <laughs> you might as well play for a lease. Like, <laughs> um, so yeah, so I, you know, I'm, I'm happy with these, uh, but so yeah, I've actually reconnected with a lot of my lost hobbies yeah. through being home alone. So, um, you know, I don't, I don't mind. That's so uh, cool. What, a, what about the, the drawing part? Are you a cartoonist? Are you a, a realist sketch artist? What, what do you like to just doodle? Doodle. Yeah. Doodle. I do a little bit of both, uh, real and, uh, and cartoonish, but I, I stopped doing it because I was never great, but I was like, oh, she can draw like she, she'll draw this thing. And, uh, for the second people find out you know how to draw I don't do you draw or anything or do you do, do. art <laughs> yeah. but so you know like the second people find out about it they immediately start like demanding you draw things for them or like <laughs> and it's not quite that aggressive but like people will just be like hey can you do this for free and it, it hit a point where I was like no <laughs> like, I just couldn't <laughs> like I, I I drew like Oh, I drew like tons of like things for like an animation project for someone all for free. And then like people would be like, oh, can you draw like my my friend's birthday is coming up? Can you draw a card for her? Or I'm like, and I just all of a sudden I just stopped doing it. And so for the last like 10 years, I've drawn nothing. I went from drawing every day from a child to like my through my early 20s. And then I just suddenly was like, I can't, it's not bringing me joy anymore. Because yeah. I'm just doing it like people are saying like, I don't know. I'm just like doing it for other people who want me to do it all for free. So, so, but I've picked it up again a little bit over this. So it's, that's nice, but um, don't, you didn't hear that here. I'm not going to draw you anything. I'm sorry. Hey, <laughs> not, I you, like, not you, not you. I oh, meant okay. like the, the big you, like world <laughs> listening. Like if you say, Hey, draw like my kid, a cartoon character, I'm going to say, Oh yeah, no, sorry. <laughs> like, you know, I mean, you know how it is. Like sometimes oh, yeah. you just hit a wall. If you get too many of those. It kills the joy. So I will never ask for a drawing from you. I promise. <laughs> I, I have gotten to a point where, yeah, I, I felt the same way. I did that for eight years where I didn't draw anything for anybody because when I grew up, I wanted to be a Marvel comic book artist. And now I'm, you know, stuck sort of in the cartoonish part of it. But yeah, it was just, hey, oh, you, you can do our storyboard. Well, uh, you're going to pay me? No, no, you just, just do something real quick. And then you, you like know, it. You, it's fun yeah. for you. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> They're like we know you care so much about it you're not gonna ask us for a dime and you're gonna just crush it so um huh. <laughs> yeah i i drew our um our logo for the the podcast with steph and my face on there and then yeah. uh the most recent thing i drew was for josh brenner on the the podcast because he had a really awesome story about hugh jackman essentially swiping his old-fashioned because he had never had one before <laughs> and taking a sip but Josh being, you know, somewhat of a, like myself, kind of a germaphobic guy in public, just didn't yeah. know if he should take the drink uh, after he finished. Germs. <laughs> yeah, so it's like, but those are the best germs you could get. So I drew him a picture <laughs> of, of Josh 
and Hugh sitting at a, a countertop and Hugh in full on like Wolverine uniform and makeup, just, you know, punching back the old fashioned and Josh's face being very kind of freaked out. <laughs> but yeah, I think it's, it is a gift still because if nobody knows that you draw, you know, and you send them something like that, uh, the thank you just feels, it, it warms you up a little bit. So it's yeah. cool that you're drawing again because you might find those moments where you say, oh, I just, I felt like drawing this for you. Here you go. And that person is just, holy shit, I didn't even know. You know, like it's, it's just, uh, that's super cool though, especially the music part. I was never a music, I tried <laughs> getting into guitar when I was heavy into my chemical romance as a teenager. Uh, couldn't do it. I had really chubby fingers because I was super overweight, but I commend anybody who can play like the piano and guitar because that's incredible. <laughs> it's, it's, I don't know. It's, I mean, it's not, I, I say like, oh, it's me. Like, but like, I mean, if it hadn't been for my parents, like agreeing to like pay for piano lessons when I was five, I wouldn't be doing this. So like, I can't take full credit. So <laughs> I was just, I was lucky enough to have that available to me. Um, but the guitar I did by myself, I bought with money I earned from uh, a terrible like jo a retail job at a mall when I was like 15 and 16. So I saved up my money and I bought myself a guitar and that same guitar is sitting right next to me right here. So I've had that no since way. I in high school. Um, yeah. So, <laughs> awesome. so I did, I did buy that. I, that was my initiative, but, um, but the only reason I can play is because I learned piano first. So, uh, it's hard, but you know what, yeah. now's the time to do it while we're still inside. Oh yeah. And I mean, who knows when we'll go back to quote unquote normalcy. Yes. Uh, <laughs> yeah. we're, we're out of our houses and doing other stuff uh, in the normal way but uh, that's you have all of those different things keeping you sane and you know you said before you're relatively introverted so you know having your alone time tends to, to help with creativity right does that kind of yeah. fuel you know <laughs> not to sound <laughs> schizophrenic about it but you're like oh a character would say that and it's just out of nowhere and you're just you know you start working on that do you have a like a discombobulated way of writing or are you somebody who's pretty stern sets hours and is just like all right I'll write from here to here anything that happens outside of that hopefully I'll remember it later I wish I was one of those people that I could be like a Stephen King and be like I'm gonna write from nine to seven every day <laughs> no I can't because it just it comes and goes uh, I I I kind of liken my writing style to a wave in the beach like <laughs> it'll all of a sudden like I will have a thousand ideas that will just crash down and I will be purely for my own enjoyment and um you know writing for you know god there was some screenplay I wrote last year that all of a sudden the idea came to me and I had I went from just a germ of an idea to having the full first draft of a screenplay done in like three and a half weeks dude and I was just like hunched over I was up till five in the morning not because I felt like I had to but because I wanted to because I was like oh that's fun too that's fun too and then I'd fall asleep with my laptop open um <laughs> and so but then I have like no ideas for a month or two and it's just like it's just barren in there and so I'm just like <laughs> okay but then you that next little spark comes and then suddenly I'm writing 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 but when you're on a show you have to have a schedule and it's, I like that part of it so much where you're disciplined. So, you know, I, if I love having someone giving me a deadline, like a deadlines are my muse because it's like, then I have to get it done. So, um, so, so I do like that part of, of being in a writer's room and working on a show is, you know, you have a date, you need to get the outline in, you've got a date, you need to get the first draft in. And so, um, 
you know, that really just keeps me disciplined. And so that's very, very helpful for someone like me, who's just like you said, discombobulated with, with the, uh, with the writing in general, if left to my own volition. (laughs) Oh, I don't know where I'd be as far as writing for TV, if it wasn't for my writing partner and my mentor saying like, Hey, get this done by the state so we can have it all set. Cool. Awesome. The best, right? <laughs> yeah. Cause outside of that, you're, I, I have a couple ideas. I have a few yeah. scenes, but nothing's, but uh, when it comes to, cause you know, writing a screenplay for a film and writing for TV can be a, I would think would be a little, little different. So if you're writing a screenplay for yourself, do you have, I guess where how should I phrase this do you have a desire to to pitch it and get it made or is it just because it is in your head and you have to get it out onto the page I I think the the latter first um I just was like I really just want to write this down but then you know part of me would like to someday make it a reality make it produced but it's it's not realistic because it's an animated thing. So it's like, you can't just make an animated movie, you know, it's, it's not like, <laughs> it's wildly expensive. Um, and I got, you know, I, I submitted it to like a few contests and things. And like, some of the notes were like, this would be wildly expensive to produce. Like, this is not possible. And I'm like, yeah, but in my head, I see it. Like, <laughs> why can't you just take it out of my head and put it on like film? There you go. Uh, no, it's a, uh, yeah, it, it is more like I just got to get it out. At the very least, it's a spec. But if the opportunity came years down the road to make it, I would love to make it. So we'll see. That's that's sort of the downside to writing because we've been, well, most of us have been taught, hey, don't write to a budget, write based on what's in your head. And then you could figure that part out later. <laughs> and usually everybody's, yeah, uh, we're thinking of maybe a million dollar budget. This is, uh, this is about 80 times that. Can you change it up a little bit? <laughs> it's just, it, you know, it's so weird (laughs) if you're just writing for fun and for as a spec to like get hired on something totally like yeah don't think about the budget but if it is something you actually want to produce like you know maybe don't put a spaceship in it you know this it you really yeah you sometimes you have to put off take off your writer's hat put on your producer's hat and think about how realistic this is um but only if it's something that you actually want to get made someday. Otherwise, just, you know what? It's writing. Do whatever you want. It's fun. Yeah. <laughs> Imagination. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Imagination. <Ooh>. Uh, <laughs> what I, I do need to, uh, to dive into your hand in writing for Reacher. And I know it's, you know, it's sort of split based on, you know, the writer staff within the room itself. But were there any episodes where you sort of had like the, the, the main um let's say foundation of an idea or any any episode or episodes that you kind of took the uh, more of a leadership role with or was it more of just a collaborative hey guys this is the general gist let's let's go with this sort of uh writing process I'm very interested to see where that went so so Reacher is a is a bit unique compared to other shows in that it's adapted from a novel so as much as you would love to be like, hey, I've got this great idea for the plot. Well, it's it's all been written. I mean, technically, the, the plot of the series was written in 1997 <laughs> uh, when Killing Floor was published, which is the novel that the se- uh, season one is based off of. But so we had a pretty, not, I wouldn't say rigid, but we had a pretty strong foundation that we had to build off of to adapt. And it was very important to us uh, as the writers, the producers, everyone we want to be faithful to the book because like, you know, if you're starting with a good thing, why mess with it? And um, 
so no so so for for this show there was not any like oh hey guys I have this big idea we should do but um you know but for I wrote episode four and so for that one you know I sort of took the reins of I mean it was very collaborative but obviously I, I actually wrote it but um even in the writing of each every episode was a collaboration with everyone in the room I will say that so um while your episode with your name on it definitely has a little more of your personal stamp um adapting a novel like this you know it's it is it's a it's a takes a village kind of thing yeah and is that the obviously we won't get into any spoilers for season two but it looks like they they want to go along with you know the the rest of the books moving onwards with the show is that something that is uh is in the works or are you guys trying to sort of bounce off into different areas I i will say like that i uh there's not a whole lot I can say about this. Yeah, second. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I can say that it, it will be uh, another novel that is adapted. Cool. So, um, you know, you have a one in like 25 guess of which one that is, because there's, I think, 24, 25 other books. There's new ones coming out every year. So it's yeah. the actual tally I keep <laughs> losing track of, but it's in that range. Um so it's one of those. That's all I can say. <laughs> yeah, that's that. Yeah, we we're very good on this podcast, not fishing for spoilers, but it's just when it's something that's being adapted, it's always interesting to see, you know, is it like the Mike Flanagan route where, mm-hmm. you know, you have the basis source material, but then you kind of expand on it. Yeah, uh, which I'm sure, you know, Reacher season two will do. But now, you know, you're sending all of us to go read 25 books before the next <laughs> season comes out to go. OK, I think I know what's going on here. Maybe uh, it's. <laughs> It's uh, it's a fantastic show. Uh, an eight episode seems it seems short, looking right away. But it, I know there's no fat in the show whatsoever. It seems like everything is very lean and muscular, and you uh, you, you never get bored. So I mean, writing for that, how did, does it feel like you were writing for almost a uh, a Sorkin esque project where it's just boom, 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 boom or uh, yeah what was yeah. <laughs> there, there's not a lot of downtime there's not a lot of um in terms of like what's happening on screen yeah but um but we really tried hard to like put those moments in where it's like the character moments like because it is I mean you know if you if you've read any of the Jack Reacher books they're so investigative and it's just yeah. so like constantly moving forward and so um yeah I mean I, I think that's great it just propelling people i mean i i personally love a slow thing like going back to like mike flanagan's his stuff is very like paced and like contemplative and i love his stuff but there's something about the reacher world where it's like almost the opposite of that yeah. where it's just like <laughs> it's, you're, it's totally like you're being on a roller coaster and yeah. which but i love I, I don't know i love that aspect of it because it's just like oh god like it's just a constant adrenaline rush um so I, I mean, I don't know. I can't, it's really hard for me to say because the only shows I've ever worked on or, or rather written on are shows that are like that. So I have no, I don't really have a basis of comparison. Um, <laughs> every show I've re- written on is like an action packed, like we gotta go, we gotta go, we gotta go. So um, I wish I could say what, you know, I, I don't know. I can't compare it to anything else. No, it, you know what? It, <laughs> it just props up the next question I have for you which is if you were to write for another show or you have a show in mind you want to write for is that show still in production it would be a show from the past is there something that you know it's like oh I'd kill to be on that writer's team 
Oh gosh, I it changes like every week. Yeah. Like, it just depends on whatever I'm watching in that moment. I'm like, oh, I would love to write on this show. Um, you know, in some of my favorite shows that I would never want to write on just because like, for example, like Barry, I love the show Barry. Oh my God, yeah. But I just know watching it, I'm like, I could never write something this good. So I'm like, <laughs> like, it is just like, or like Breaking Bad or Better Call Saul. Like, I'm like, I love these shows. So I would never want to write on them because it would just be like, you get that imposter syndrome that, that comes in like, oh God, I like, this is like, I want to like grovel these people. I don't want to like collaborate with them because I just want to admire them from afar. Um, no, I, I mean, I've always, I weird, I love period pieces. Really? Like, if, okay. yeah. Like if I could write on like a Downton Abbey, which is so like the opposite of Richard. <laughs> yeah, that's complete 180. Um, I don't know. I just, I like trying different things. That's the yeah. thing. So, um, well, it's funny because I actually got hired to write. There was going to be a Downton Abbey game at one point. And so I got hired to write on it. And so we like broke a whole like season of the game and we started outlining it. So like I got a taste of a Downton Abbey show. Oh I mean, it was literally Downton Abbey. And so I, so um, but then the project got canceled. And so I was just crushed, but I spent three months sort of writing for Downton Abbey and I loved it. Um, but <laughs> Yeah, I guess, I don't know. There's, I mean, I love like Parks and Rec. That's one of my favorite sitcoms of all time. Um, I would have loved to write for that. And it's always sunny. Like I, I, I've watched every episode. I love that show and it is still so good. I, I can't think of another show that has lasted that long that is still hilarious. Like, I mean, especially a comedy. Um, yeah, no, and, and that one, it's like, there's so much flexibility of like, you can do anything pretty much on that show. Um, yeah. So no, It's Always Sunny would be like a dream. Uh, I mean, it, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm all over the place. Like with what I like to draw, like to drive, right, I mean. <laughs> <laughs> I'm getting excited just thinking about this. Um, uh, I've actually, I also really love sketch comedy. Like I've, I've been obsessed with SNL since I was about 10 years old. Really? And so um, I, I took uh, the Upright Citizens Brigade Theater in Los Angeles. I took three sketch writing classes and I love sketch writing. And so something like an SNL or like that would be awesome as well. I, you know, but I also, the, the dramas, I love hour long dramas too. So um, the answer is what I would want to write on is just anything serialized, really. I'm not a big fan of the procedural um, style but like anything outside of that, I'm like, yeah, let's do it. Let's try it. Why not? <laughs> I just love anything that's a good story. I just want to tell a good story regardless of whether it's a comedy or a drama or whatever. Yeah, so. which is the right answer as a writer, you know, being open to anything and everything that has a great story. Yes, that's, yeah. I mean, that's the, that is, that is what drive. that's why you watch shows. So, yeah. um, so yeah, I'm all over the place with my genres. I love Marvel <laughs> movies too. Like it just <laughs> give it to me. I want to do it. <laughs> I, I could see you writing Barry, you know, oh, based God. on like episode four of Reacher and everything else I've seen from Reacher, which I know is collaborative, but it's not too far removed from Reacher. I mean, yeah, it is more contemplative and, and introspective as far as the characters go, but I think you'd yeah. rock at that. And, you know, Barry does have those episodes like, um, was it Ronnie slash Lily from season two? Oh my God, that was so, oh my God. <laughs> it's the and best episode. Bill Hader directed that episode yeah. too. 
he, it was so good. <laughs> and that's oh. another one where it's just, it's lean. This is the story. This is it. Dot, 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 dot. Nothing panders at all. And then it ends amazingly. It, they, oh, God. <laughs> that show is, like, everything about that show is just so, so good. But you know what? You're right. Like, I mean, I could never write for that show. Like, I, I like, in terms of just, I would be so nervous about yeah. writing. <laughs> but um you know writing for Reacher it really tapped into a dark part of my brain I didn't know it was there and so like but like in a good way yeah. so like um I mean one thing I will say that was sort of like was my idea which I don't think was it wasn't in the books was um at the top of the episode um that I say I did but it was really a we did um you know the scene where Reacher is stuffing a bunch of bodies in the trunk and I think like and I pitched and I was like wait he's gonna try to put like three adult men in the trunk and I'm like what if he just like snaps him up like human Tetris and they're like what and so I put that in the script and um that like that made it in but like so many people have been like oh that was disgusting and I was like oh that was me like (laughs) I should have known a little moment (laughs) I I have a feeling you're the one that came up with that but I, I like it was like ooh, this is fun <laughs> like and then I actually got to see it then and it was like oh yeah that was amazing but so many people specifically were grossed out by that and I was like hey I guess so maybe Barry isn't that far of a stretch <laughs> I, yeah I don't know I mean I I think I was halfway through you know like I did the the elementary school thing where you make a sandwich and you put like potato chips on the sandwich and then you have a yeah. little bit of crunch and the second I bit into the sandwich he freaking snaps the the knee and I just like look down and go, wait, did that happen? And then he oh, does it again. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, Some hot ass chips. <laughs> yeah, like I'm gonna I'm gonna give this a second uh and wait till the next scene before I keep eating. But that's that's amazing though, that you know, you you unlocked an area of your brain where it wasn't even uh, should I say this? No, it's just hey, just <laughs> snaps a leg like human Tetris. That's fucking brilliant, man. Like that's awesome so thank you for that because it just it hit more along the lines of that like gritty brutality that i think a lot of the movies were missing for jack reacher where it wasn't you know it wasn't for a sadistic sake it was just like well this makes the most sense if you're gonna fit right it's like (laughs) totally unemotional like he would never do that to like well no i was gonna say he would never do that to a living person but then i'm remembering in the pilot he like snaps a guy's leg in the prison like so but he'll only ever do it to someone who's a really bad person yes. um and he does it with no joy he just does it like you said because that's just that's just the best way to do it um yeah he never has a like a uh what do you call it a smolder to him when he's done beating somebody up it's just like okay gotta get out of here or what's next you know yeah it's, it's just, time to get a coffee like yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah he's such a fun character to write because he's just so like he, he's like I don't know because he is weird like that like he's just yeah. very matter of fact and like he's funny too if you read the books like he has so many funny lines and he's not trying to be funny it's just like the way they come out like I think in episode two he has a line um it's like someone asked when did you last see your brother he's like a minute ago in the morgue and it's like <laughs> but he's not trying to be funny that's like that's just how his brain works so it's that kind of stuff is so so fun to write it's it's uh almost type a ish you know or he's just oh yeah i just saw him wait what what are you talking about you know or the uh i do like his little little quips that aren't necessarily quips where he's just he's declaring something like oh hey finley you actually look really jacked outside of the tweed oh really 
no, you don't. And then he just walks away. Like <laughs> that was a that was that was definitely like well, that's our our showrunner's voice coming through. I think that was his joke. It was like, really? No. <laughs> like, yeah, that was yeah, that was definitely his joke. He's um he's he's a funny. Our our showrunner is like the funniest human being I've ever met. And so really? like you do see like so a lot of that humor like um you know he really was like yeah like let that that stuff's in the books like. And the movies, well, I mean, I will say I did like the movies, like especially the first one. And first I think like, like, you know, obviously people say stuff about the physicality of the main character, but I thought in terms of capturing like that everyone looks at him when he walks in a room, like like quip, not quippy, but like just stern. Like I thought Tom mm. Cruise did a great job with that. And um, but we wanted to lean into the humor that was already inherent in the book. So like and it's subtle it's not constant because if it was too much it'd be too much but um it's just enough that there's moments of levity amongst all the bone snapping because you need that a little <laughs> bit you need like a chaser every once in a while <laughs> yeah it seems like because i i own the, the first jack reacher film i thought it was great and i'm also a fan of tom cruise so that yeah. you know, didn't didn't hurt at all it's just a lot of the comedy from that seemed to come from uh other people's interactions like the fight within the bathroom where these guys are trying to beat the shit out of him and they beat the shit out of themselves. It's just his Tom Cruise's face. And I think uh, Alan did a great job in, you know, kind of portraying that where he's just kind of yeah. looking like, what the, you really want to do? Okay. All right. This is going to happen. Like, how dumb um, are you? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's like, you, you saw me walk in. But uh, it's funny. I've heard people say like, Oh, these people, like no one in real life would ever try to fight with this guy. But I'm like, I've seen enough like videos on YouTube or it's like, it's little people, like not always, but like it's smaller people trying to pick fights with bigger people to yeah. prove something. And I'm like, I think that's totally realistic that a bunch of like drunk 20 year olds are going to be like, Hey, we can beat this guy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, you're like, Oh, and like, well, Roscoe has a lunch. He's Graham, you idiot. And it's like, yeah, you idiot. But like, I mean, I lived in Georgia for a while. I've known the, that Graham guy. Like, oh really? <laughs> would pick. I mean, not literally, but like, uh, they would pick a fight with someone twice their size just to make themselves feel cool. Like, uh, so yeah. No, I mean, it's 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 been such a fun show to work on, and it's like, oh, I'm so glad. I'm so lucky. I'm so just excited to be a part of this and this thing that is blown up. I'm just, yeah. it's exciting. I can't wait to see what you guys do for free season two. I know I uh, I reached out to Nick. I know he's crazy busy. Oh my God. Uh, eventually talking to him about, you know, the the inception of creating the show and running it. But I can't wait to see what you guys do with season two because the, the eight episodes flew by and now I'm just kind of like, I've been a fan of Alan since Smallville. So yeah. I, I like went back and I watched his Aquaman episode. And I'm like, yeah, this will do. <laughs> this will do for a little <laughs> bit. <laughs> um, yeah, it's just, uh, it, it's been just amazing experience experiencing that but also like hearing your passion behind it and the fact that you you care so much about this property and the fact that you're working on season two like I'm sure your brain is constantly working on different things you can add to different episodes but uh yeah I just want to say like thank you for you know wanting to sit down and, and talk about yourself I know it's a hard thing for writers to do <laughs> it's yeah it's, it is weird I hate talking about myself like I have friends still now that like don't know that I wrote on that show or like it's just like there's no way to naturally bring it up and also we wrote on this two years ago and then like COVID pushed it oh shoot so this is all stuff that happened we were in the writer's room for this two in 2020 so um 
so like everything else we got pushed and pushed and um yeah it, it so it's very strange so I know people that had no idea what wrote on the show and I don't want to say anything because it feels like weird to be like hey guess what like I wrote on the show <laughs> like it's it, it, I don't know so um it, it is and it's strange especially since it was like such a, a while ago we wrote it that like you know it's it is surreal it, yeah. it's like yeah but this thing's existed back then but um but now everyone else is just now finding out about it which is so cool so um yeah I'm I'm just like just delighted and and I know the way things go in this business like you're hot one minute and then it's like mm. the next it's whatever but um yeah. I'm just enjoying the the sort of the high of ev- putting something out with a group of people and having people like it was is such a awesome feeling and I'm just gonna enjoy every second of it while I can yeah and it's much deserved I mean you you guys worked your asses off to make sure the show did you know what it did and came off the way it did it's it's built this huge following now so I'm hoping you know as people watch it more and more we get you know season three yeah as many seasons as you know, Alan would like to do. <laughs> yeah, I mean, everyone, like, the whole, everyone, it, it was such, like you said, so much hard work went into it. Like, I mean, from everyone, from all the producers, like the, like, like Skydance, Paramount, uh, Amazon, uh, the writer's room, um, just the, the whole, and I didn't get to go to set, obviously, because, you know, it filmed in Canada, and, you know, coronavirus, ever heard of it? <laughs> um, like, so, so I haven't actually met, like, any of the crew people or anything so but from what I've heard like that was tons of work everyone just busted ass on this and I'm just so happy for everyone that like they get to like yeah and especially like our the showrunner Nick he's he is like the hardest working guy like I'm just so happy for him especially that he created this like this this thing like is out in the world now and largely not large well yeah, largely thanks to him and his in his hard work and perseverance, and he gathered all the right people to do it. And um, no, it, it's he's awesome, and and the whole group, the whole crew, everyone is awesome. So, just being a tiny part of that is just such a joy. I I think honestly, it gives other writers who are you know constantly working on their stories and their scripts and their specs uh, gives them hope that you know if you work hard enough, you you meet people, you you venture out. From our little our little hobble with our computer, you can meet people and, and eventually do what you love. You know, if you're if you're lucky enough and talented enough to do it. So uh, yeah. that's that's a huge thing too. Going from moving to LA, doing PA work, meeting all these people, and then you know eventually you're just thrust into the writing portion of it, which is what you wanted to do. It's, yeah. it's amazing. It can be done. It's not yeah. easy. <laughs> yeah, it's not. Yeah, you no you will sacrifice a lot. Uh, yeah. But, but you'll be, learn a lot. So in that yeah. reason comes and that is also very important so uh, yeah I'm so happy you liked it and, and that you watched it and thank you for yeah yeah I uh I'm just a massive nerd for anything movies tv which is why I love writing I love acting in them uh it's just it's a lot of fun but uh before I I can let you go we have a few things we got to talk about oh boy uh, okay one <laughs> Uh, since you had listened to previous episodes, I do have to ask, do you have a party story that you can share with our listeners? A uh, story that really stands out in your, you know, it could be based in your career, or even outside of your career, that uh, maybe it was a really great day, maybe it was a really bad day, it was something that just crazy that happened that you could easily tell at a party. Do you have a story that might come to mind? Oh, God. Um... <laughs> it's always the hardest question to ask. 
well, here's the thing is I've had a lot of mildly interesting things happen in my life, but like nothing like, um, I, I guess like, I don't know. I mean, I don't think any of my stories are interesting. Um, but like, it's weird the things people like, 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 um, well, when I was a PA on American Gladiators, uh, like we played, um, like there was a ton of PAs. And so like for our rap party and like we knew at that point the show wasn't gonna come back. So it was very just like, all right, like we can just destroy this place essentially. So for the rap party, we were all drunk. Like when I say all, like the PAs <laughs> through the gladiators themselves, like we did, I did flip club with a bunch of the gladiators, including like Gina Carano. Carino. Seriously? Yeah, like, <laughs> They were, I mean, I will say like the gladiators were awesome because like they just like hung out with all the PAs and like, because a lot of them were so young and all the PAs were like 22, 23. Yeah. And so we were like the same age as them. So like we were doing flip club and we were doing beer pong. And then like, once we were properly tipsy, like we went out to the actual course and we like ran the course what? and and they were and I'm, I'm we violated so many rules i'm sure but like they were like you know what business is shutting down just go hog wild and so we like oh wait i, I tried to do like the the running up the 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 thing like i don't know if you ever watched american gladiators i'm a little older than you so <laughs> i grew up watching the original yeah. and so it was always like a childhood dream to like i want to run the elimination course and um or whatever it was called i it's been so long um that was like the big boss version of it. So I remember watching the reruns of the older one right before the new like rebooted show came out. Mm -hmm. And I watched the entire season of that show. Uh, I just can't remember the, the layouts because now so many other shows have like tried to copy it. Yeah. <laughs> was it, um, oh my God, was it the Illuminator one where they're still like, they're still shooting tennis balls and stuff at you? Oh, uh, so, so this was like the thing at the end where okay. like, uh, you start running up this ramp that's going in the opposite direction. And it, it was kind of like done like a half, like a circle. Oh around. yeah, yeah. And there was like the thing where you have a hand crank and you're like hanging over a giant pit of balls and you watch it and you think, I could do that. These guys are wusses. But then like, no, you can't. <laughs> <laughs> no, right, sorry, correction. I can't. Because um, <laughs> I got halfway across the ball pit thing with the little hand bike and I'm just like, and then I just couldn't do it anymore. And of course, the fact that I had just done, like, I just pounded like three Bud Lights probably didn't help. But oh, I was no. just like, oh, God. And so then you drop into the pit and then you're just like, I don't want to let go. <laughs> I'm going to die. And like, you're not going to die. Just drop and you just fall into this giant pit of balls. It was so much fun. Then there's like the big pyramid that we like, cl like clamored up. Yeah. And, um, oh God, that was fun. That was like, you know, I'd been in LA for a few months and I was like, oh my God, like I'm, I'm, my dreams are coming true. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, that's the first thing that comes into mind, but like, like at least indus industry related. Yeah. Um, I don't know if that's a good story, but it was a fun night. I'll tell you that. <laughs> I'd say that's a great story. I can't tell you how many people would love to be in those shoes, especially, you know, a little tipsy while doing it. Oh know, my just... gosh. Yeah. <laughs> It was, I mean, it was like the wild west, like back then in terms of just like regulations and like, oh yeah, it was, there were 26 PAs on that show. So, which is obscene, but oh, it made it fun because it was like, everyone did small things. Oh, and like, speaking of the drawing, I did a lot of the, the fan signs. What? 
Yeah. So, cause they're like, oh, you can draw, do fan signs. But I was like, you know what? It's either that or moving equipment around. So in that case, it did come in handy. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Why not? <laughs> but so like not all of them, but I'd say like a good chunk of the signs, especially if they had like elaborate drawings on them or stuff I did. So um, yeah, that was a fun show. It was wild, but it was fun. Um, oh my God, that's amazing. Yeah, that was a good time. And uh yeah, so it was like welcome to Hollywood. <laughs> Go say, climb the eliminator. Yeah, you know it was a literal party, and it that that classifies as the party story. So I'd say that that's probably that why works. I thought of it. That's kind of cheating. Like you can't tell a party story about a party at a party. Like that's a little like, but yeah, we've had surprisingly few of those. So really? I would take it. Yeah, yeah. Most <laughs> of them are just um, you know, like awkward uh, coffee shop experiences with you know some starlet or something. You know, just something something crazy that happened or like sam rockwell is behind you while you're ordering lunch and you're oh. taking forever and yeah there's we've had a, a plethora of party stories uh but not a whole lot that took place during a party which is great yeah i mean <laughs> like as an introvert it's not like i'm doing exciting things outside of parties necessarily i mean i have a bunch of like weird random encounters with like like stuff um i did a lot of background work too really so i was on a lot of weird sets and so really? like funny little anecdotes there but like you know I've done a little bit of everything because I like to see all the jobs so I can appreciate what everyone does on a set so yeah I did background for a long time and it was like when you're between seasons out of show you have like three or four months off so you're like I might as well go on to sets and like just have fun and get paid for it yeah and a lot of times they'll cut your hair and do all that <laughs> and they'll pay you to cut your hair you're like oh is it cool if we give you $30 to give you a trim I'm like yes like, <laughs> absolutely like I was gonna pay 100 for this but yeah I'll take it um so yeah so I have a bunch of like stupid little like things like that as well but you know the there's too many <laughs> that just means we have to we have to keep bringing you back <laughs> oh gosh story. I'll dig into the well I'll think of all this the silly shows I did and um yeah uh a lot oh, yeah you know the more I think about it I have a lot of more like a lot of weird industry stories that are like sure innocent enough but just like yeah i don't know but it's like that's hollywood <laughs> i guess but like nothing that's so exciting as to be like whoa but just like oh that was weird but um <laughs> i did i did uh when when i was on american glider gladiators i did have to yeah. once be a stand-in for hulk hogan so <laughs> what <laughs> hey, i'm like yeah because they just normally they try to find someone who's like the right size of the person and then um everyone was running around like we need a photo stand in we need a photo stand in and i guess um since they couldn't find someone who's the right size they were like the next best thing apparently is like someone with the same skin tone so like i get he must have not been tan that day <laughs> so they were like looking around at the pas and they're like you you're like the closest to his skin tone so i'm like okay so i had to do stand them for a bunch of photographs for uh for for hulk hogan and so um that is something i never would have in my wildest dreams ever expected <laughs> especially like i'm five foot three i'm like a petite woman um and i was to ask how tall are you <laughs> not as tall as hulk hogan i'll tell you that but you know just put me on an apple block and uh yeah yeah there we go so uh, <laughs> it just it just reminds me of it's always sunny where they're, they're watching hulk hogan and he said yeah bleach blonde hair and the skin of a hot dog <laughs> that's how they did it back then <laughs> yeah this this was post him being yeah. like, 
heyday. And so obviously, so he wasn't rocking the, the fake tan because um, as as you can't see, but as Tyler can, I am very pale. So <laughs> I listen to her. She has the, the was it uh, a very, very tan complexity to her. Uh, compl- complexity, <laughs> complexion. What are words? Damn it. Um, <laughs> it's uh, that. Wow. Just Irish complexion. Because so there you go. I'm not. I'm not. We'll I'm go not. with that. Irish complexion. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I I have more of a. I can't tell what he is complexion, but I know he somehow got financial aid for college. Oh, uh, <laughs> I. Going away from from that, now we get into more of the the career wisdom portion of it, which is, do you have any advice for those who are trying to get into the industry or maybe those who are trying to, you know, stay afloat as these uncertain times are upon us? Do you have anything that kind of sticks out to you as far as, you know, what could keep somebody going or what can further inspire them to pursue their career? Uh, well, first piece of advice would be don't listen to my advice. Um, (laughs) no, uh, no, I would say like, um, here's the thing is if you're, if you're serious about it, um, if you like really are like, I'm going to do this, you got to have a bunch of qualities and, Mm -hmm. you know, first of all, like you have to have some luck and that sucks, but like, that's just the nature of it. Cause so much of getting jobs boils down to, being in the right place at the right time, meeting the right person. And luck also includes like just being born into the right family too. Like, you know, and it sucks, but like, yeah, that's just, that's part of it. Um, And if you're like me, that wasn't born into the right uh, entertainment family, then uh, I just got lucky, like meeting a person who was like, Hey, I know someone who's hiring for a writer's assistant. And then if that person, I hadn't met that person, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be on Reacher, Um, you know? And uh, so luck yeah unfortunately you gotta have a little of that but you also you know you gotta be really persistent you cannot give up super easily there's a lot of people that come out here try for a year and then turn around and go home it's not going to take a year now it'll probably won't you know it can take a few years like I know people that have moved to LA and then after you know after three or four years they're staffed on something it's not common but it happens uh but you know I know plenty of people like me who it took them 10 plus years to get in a room. And again, I can only speak from the writer's point of view. Cause I, I wasn't pursuing the other career paths, yeah. <laughs> um, you know, apart from being a professional background actor um, <laughs> and, and, you know, you just have to keep at it. And it's, and it's, and the other thing is like, it's not a guarantee and uh, it's hard, but like it's, people want it so, so bad. Lots of people do. And it's just, honestly, it's, this is bleak, but like, it's honest, like, it's not going to happen for everyone. If it did, then there would be, you know, 10,000 shows on the air with all the writers on it. Um, and there's not, I mean, sometimes it feels like there are, oh my God, but um, <laughs> like, it, it's just not always going to happen. And so if it, if it happens, that's awesome, but don't, you know, there's other avenues you can take, you know, I know people that want to be writers, but ended up doing, you know, they became editors or they became like the like producers or agents, you know, there's other avenues. So it's not, you're, don't, don't hinge your entire life and your identity and your self-worth on becoming a writer. It, it's, you know, it's, it's just your job at the end of the day. And even if you become a writer, there's no guarantee you're going to stay a writer. So just, you know, just 
just try your best and be passionate, diversify your portfolio. And just, um, I don't know, man, like, <laughs> I, I wish I could give you a concrete, like do X, Y, Z, but yeah. that's just not reality. Um, it's a tough business and, uh, you know, having talent helps obviously, but also you don't necessarily need it. <laughs> um, but having some charisma helps, you know, definitely helps. Uh, yeah, man, just, uh, be, be prepared, take notes do not do not take them as personal attacks i know that's the first that's my first instinct like whenever someone writes me a note the first thing i think is how dare you um <laughs> but but then of course 99 percent of the time you're like oh actually you know what that is yeah that's right. they were right. Um, <laughs> you know like i've i've known people that want to write that like they've just been like i won't take notes i'm like oh then you're not going to become a writer i'm sorry like people at the top of the game like get notes it's just you know we can't all be Aaron Sorkin. Like we can't all just do what we want and write what we want. Um, yeah. So I don't know. My advice is just, you know, like, keep on trucking, I guess. <laughs> like, so Solid advice. Yeah, <laughs> there you go. Just don't be discouraged and just be prepared to deal with a lot of, a lot of stuff. So <laughs> there's so much rejection in this industry. It's amazing that a lot of us are as like level-headed as we are. Yeah. <laughs> a lot of us are though, to be fair. <laughs> um and yeah but like you know this is the nature of this business is it's so fluid which is something I find so funny is people seem to always forget is like if you're on top one day you're at the bottom the next yeah so just you know I'll say this is my if you're going to take away anything from this rambling I'm I'm doing right now it's (laughs) just be decent to everybody I it's shocking to me I you know I've been on shows where a person who's my boss on one show is my equal on another show just because of the way nature hiring, hiring goes or whatever, um, you know, people will surpass people and then come back down. So just don't, just don't be a dick. <laughs> That's all I can say. Like every single person that works on a crew from the, like an, un, an in, intern to like the executive producers, like they all have a job and the show cannot get done without, you know, each one of them. So don't look up and shake your fist about how you hate the, the guys ahead of you. And don't look down and, and walk all over the people behind you. Like it's, you're all there. You're all have the same, you're on the same business. Just, just don't, don't be a jerk. There you go. I think <laughs> everybody needs that. That's come up a lot too. Yeah. In, in recent podcast episodes, I was just, I've met a lot of, a lot of jerks. Don't be a jerk. You know, like you, you get farther just being nice to people. Oh God. Like I've had people that I worked with as a PA, like, or they were like one notch above me when I was a PA years ago who were kind of dicks to me. And they're like, Hey, like try, then all of a sudden reaching out years later, like, Hey, can you give me a job? And I'll be like, Jesus. send me your resume. But like, I'm not sending your resume. <laughs> like, <laughs> I'm like, not just because they were rude to me because I, but I also know that they're going to be rude to other people. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm like, why would I recommend you? You're going to be a jerk to, to every single assistant. Like, I don't want that on anyone. Like, so yeah, yeah, man, just, uh, people remember. So just, it's just, you know, just be cool. (laughs) We need to get that on a sticker for this podcast. (laughs) Just just be cool. (laughs) Just, just, just be awesome. Uh, is there anything, obviously we're going to promote Reacher, but is there anything you'd like for us to promote in this episode? Anything uh, outside of Reacher? Oh boy. Um, no, I mean, (laughs) 
<laughs> I mean, like something you mean personal or just like like things could, that I enjoy? It could be anything. I mean, some guests have had uh, they have Etsy shops. Others are just oh. like, hey, this charity is really awesome. Promote this charity. Uh, just be yeah. Uh, donate to charities. Like you, here's the thing: there's a million charities out there, and they all like to do wonderful things. So, um, just you know, whatever's near and dear to you. Just if you can, if you can afford it. Hey, give some money to your favorite charity. That's all I'll say. Because, like, <laughs> there's so many worthy causes. It's like whether you're doing for like, I mean, yeah, just what? Um, no, there's nothing else I really want to promote, at least personally. I mean, like shows I watch. Like, I guess I don't know. Um, I mean, yeah, uh, Katie promoted her local coffee shop. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I'll promote like. Oh gosh, although I don't. I don't want to like overrun my favorite like Mexican restaurant. Um, oh no. Because <laughs> uh, it's so tiny. Um, I don't know. Like uh, I just, I, oh, last night I finished watching Legend of Vox Machina. Have you seen that? No. What? I, I love it. Is it um, what what service is it on? It's uh, it's Amazon. Um, it's uh, an animated show. Um, so I've also been playing a lot of D&D over the pandemic. Hell yeah, you have. Yeah, so um, it's, it's a D&D show, uh, Critical Role. I don't know if you've seen it, but... Um, oh, shoot, yeah. Oh, my God, yeah. okay. So it's the animation of their first campaign. So yeah, I'm going to just promote uh, Critical Role. I'll promote um, yes. the, the Legend of Vox Machina and uh, just um, D&D in general. It's so fun. It's like, a, it's like being in a writer's room. Yeah. But like you're playing the characters. So if you want to be a writer, I would actually say... Try to play D&D. You get good experience collaborating in a room, coming up with stories, and yes, anding. And just, yeah, so play D&D. There you go. I'll promote Dungeons and Dragons. I am not being paid for any of this. That is um, a first for this show. <laughs> I don't know. I'm so bad, man. Like, I just, yeah. <laughs> I, I can't think of anything. I have no I have no side hustles. Like, I have no, I don't want to, pr- I hate promoting myself just at, at all, but um. Yeah, play Dungeons and Dragons with your I, friends. I'd say that's that's a solid, yeah. Uh, favorite <laughs> charity, Reacher, and then play D&D, and then Critical Role, uh, Legend sure. of X Machina. Like that's, and Critical Role is awesome. If you guys haven't uh, tuned into their, especially their YouTube channel, like check it out. Uh, it's just a lot of fun. There's uh, some- yeah, oh my God. I actually, that reminds me that I have um, dozens of, you know, like watch later videos from Critical Role from the like, past couple of months. That I oh God, yeah. Yet. I should probably put that on. It's so much content. But, it is. Well, after Reacher, the room wrapped back in 2020, yeah. like I was unemployed for several months. So I just, I've discovered Critical Role because I was playing D&D and I DM'd a game and I was like just researching online, like DMing stuff. And then like Matt Mercer videos popped up and then through that research, I discovered Critical Role and I just binged it. Like, no way. I had nothing else to do, you know? Yeah. <laughs> like, so I would like work out as I was watching it. Like, um, <laughs> anyway, so yeah, so that's fun. Um, yeah, there you go. I'm going to promote other people's work. <laughs> Perfect. That works for us. Uh, and while uh, people are writing down that information, I have to <laughs> uh, do Stephanie's spiel and my spiel for this podcast, which is if you love this podcast, if you want to, you know, leave a five-star review on apple Podcasts. that'd be great and if you leave a five-star review send us an email at pwrp.pod at gmail.com so we can send you a sticker and maybe even a thank you card because you know we're nice like that and we appreciate it uh which is something that miss kate is getting as well a thank you card and a sticker maybe something drawn on it 
Um, you don't I have to think, do that. <laughs> I know, but ever since I drew for Josh, I'm like, that could be cool every now and again and just like draw something really quick. Uh, so we will send you a thank you card and a sticker as well. Also, if you would like to be part of this podcast, whether you are starting your career in the industry or somebody who has been doing it for a while and you just want to share your story, send us an email to that same address, pwrp.pod at gmail.com. And uh, before we conclude the episode, Kate, thank you again for coming onto the show. But before we leave, we have one more thing we have to do. Oh boy. Our awkward goodbye. <laughs> My favorite part. So this consists of me giving you a silent Wayne's World countdown. And then when I point, you give us the most awkward verbal goodbye that you can muster. It could be verbal. Uh, if you want to do nonverbal, that's cool too, because we might have this video on our Patreon, uh, which is another thing you guys should probably subscribe to. Uh, so if you are ready, we're going to do this awkward goodbye. You ready? Yes, sir. All right. Oh, wait. Oh, she's doing something. No. I mean, yeah, I'm doing something. Hang on. I mean, putting up her D&D board so we can't see what she's doing. (laughs) (laughs) Top secret stuff. (laughs) All right. I'm ready. All right. And...